I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S., As you may know, we're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing art. Next to me is James Milley, Superfine's other co-founder and our managing partner. Say hi, James. Hello. And we're here today with Catherine Orer, founder of The Artist Entrepreneur, where she counsels professional visual artists and creative entrepreneurs who want to build a sustainable business and career. That's something we can really get behind here. After working as a PR professional for multinational corporations, Catherine started her career in the arts while studying the art business at Christie's Auction House and then working in contemporary art galleries in Paris. She moved over to the North American art market where she worked in critically acclaimed galleries at international art fairs, as well as with professional artists one-on-one. All of this amazing experience gave her the versatility and the network to create the artist entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much, Alex. I can't believe that I did all these things, but I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, right? It's a nice reminder. Yeah. I'm like, oh, pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. You are pretty cool. So now before we get started, Catherine, I want to ask you something uh, to help our artist audience get to know the real Catherine. What's the earliest memory you have of art? And did you realize then that you'd be dedicating your life to art and to artists? I remember exactly my first encounter with art. It was, I think it's third or second grade. And uh, I went to the Museum of Fine Arts in Montreal and I fell in love with an auto um, self-portrait. You say self-portrait in English. A self-portrait of Paul-Emile Bordua. Bordua is a very important modern artist here in Quebec, Canada. And I was just sitting on the floor there with my classmates and you know, the person was telling us about this painting and then everybody got up and, you know, just went for the next (laughs) explanation. And I just sat there and I was like, can I spend my life here? Like, I just fell in love with the environment of a museum and the storytelling that comes with art, uh, visual art more specifically. And then uh, in high school and then throughout college, I studied art history. It was one of my favorite topics. So it's just always been art history for me, which has led me to go to Christie's and then do uh, all the wonderful things that you mentioned at the beginning. But it's really <laughs> really yeah second or third grade uh, school uh, field trip so for everyone who thinks that the arts and culture the education is not that important super important to bring our kids to the museum because it opens them up to so many ideas and creativity so yeah I love it and art education matters right like just getting kids out there to the museums You're not the first person. We've been asking this question to everyone on the podcast. And this has been, I think, at least the second time that someone's experience was so similar where they went to a museum on a class trip and they were just transfixed. So it just, it makes so much sense. And it's really underscores the purpose of this artist education that we're all doing here. I love it. Yeah. So let's first talk about your podcast title because it's an awesome one. It's The Artist Entrepreneur. Now, let's say that I'm an artist, but I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur yet. We hear this from a lot of artists. What would you tell me in order to convince me that I need to start thinking about myself as not just an artist, but also an entrepreneur? (laughs) 
I have to convince you that yeah. already there yeah. is one strike out. Uh, but I, well, first I have to say that I don't believe that all artists are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I do believe though that pretty much all entrepreneurs are artists. Maybe I can elaborate on that. For me, it, it really depends what you how you perceive the idea of entrepreneur. And if you see it like a capitalist idea of making money over the back of other people, obviously no artist wants that. And then it's very negative and they're like, I don't want to associate with that. My view or how I see it is taking your projects into your own hands and taking control over your destiny. And it's really also the part of being creative because I think the, the, the ongoing thread of all entrepreneurs is that they have their project that they want to see come to life. And, you know, I mean, it'd be great if it were different, but we live in the world where if you want your project to come to life, you need funds and you need to start thinking like that so that it becomes sustainable for you. So if it doesn't resonate with you and you don't want to make a living out of your art and you want to keep it as a hobby, fine. I mean, I'm not the one to judge. I mean, there's plenty of great hobbyists out there. But if you want this to be your full-time gig and have consistent revenue coming in, then yes, you have to start thinking about it as a business because if you don't, you can't expect others around you to be thinking of that for you. It needs to start with you. If you want others to take you seriously, you need to start by taking yourself seriously. And it starts by thinking of like an entrepreneur. Artists, if you want to treat your art like a business, it has to come from you. It has to come from within. You can't be waiting around for someone else to take you seriously. That's what I get from it. And being an entrepreneur, I like that you say every entrepreneur is an artist the way that we think. And I think the artists who also want to be entrepreneurs, thinking that way is just critical to getting yourself off the ground and actually making a living, making this your full-time gig. I love it. And it's a great seg into my next question for you, Catherine. And I know that our audience of business artists loves lists. And I know that you've got an awesome list of the three things that you need to make a living selling your art. Let's dive into that. Okay. Well, I would have two three-part lists. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. Sure. let's do it. <laughs> so the first part would be kind of obvious, would be you need a website, you need a contact list or an email list or whatever you want to call it, but you need to start a database of people because you need people to sell to and you need art. And it sounds pretty obvious, but the number of artists who come to me who have no art <laughs> to sell, it's surprising, right? They, they've dabbled on a few things, but they don't have a, a body of work that they can actually present and sell. So you need the art, you need you know, an audience, contact list, something to build, and you need a website. Now, that would be kind of the obvious part, but it doesn't mean because you have all these three things that you're going to succeed, because I know a lot of artists who have those three things and they don't necessarily succeed. So then maybe we can go in the non-tangibles or the um, soft skills, basically, that you need to develop as an artist entrepreneur. And I would say that the first one and one that maybe we don't talk enough about is commitment. Okay, if you're not completely committed to this process, because it's not going to be overnight, it's going to take a while when I see artists who are just like always on the fence, am I doing this? Am I not doing this? And when I say commitment, I just want to emphasize, Alex, I'm not saying quit your day job and commit a hundred percent to that, 
I just mean that this is a priority for you in your life and it's not a few bumps in the road that's going to stop you. So that's what I mean by commitment. And then an I can do it attitude, right? The attitude that you, I'm going to show them all the naysayers, you know, say no to me a thousand times, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this because there's always going to be more reasons that are going to show up why you can't do this and you need to step up and have that I can do this attitude. Maybe you can call it resilience. Yep. That could maybe be the right term. And then selling skills. Selling skills. You need to develop selling skills. And even if you don't want to sell direct, you still need to know how to sell because you're going to have to sell yourself, your ideas, your concepts, your projects. If you're doing public art, you still need to be able to you know, sell that idea to committee. If you want a gallery, you need to sell your body of work so that the gallery will be able to sell it. If you want to attend art fairs, you need to be able to talk to people and build those relationships and get them interested. So selling skills is really an essential part. Uh, Some people call it negotiation skills, building relationship, but I think that's a, a third part that is really necessary. So those soft skills Everybody can develop them on top of having, you know, your website, your artwork, and your contact list. Let me make sure I've got that all down because we turned a three-parter into a six-parter. Yes. So (laughs) website, a really good website. Yeah. Database, your clients, your potential clients, the people you reach out to to sell your work. Yeah. And first the artwork, right? You know, and and what you said is really true that if you're getting out there and you're starting to sell your work, you kind of need to have this body of work that you're pulling from. And, mm-hmm. you know, it can't just be a vision over the edge of the mountain. You have to actually have it and be working on it. And then the soft skills are equally important, right? The yeah. commitment, actually mm-hmm. being committed to what you're doing, resilience, and what we would call maybe a can-do attitude, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, being able to do it even when people say you can't. And of course, those selling skills. And that's what you can learn by working with someone like Catherine or someone who's worked with artists as a coach to really gain those selling skills. Also something we really emphasize at Superfine and we'll talk a little bit about later. It's really important to gain those skills, whether or not you're selling your work directly to buyers like we do at Superfine or whether you're selling yourself and your concepts to galleries, to uh, intermediaries, art advisors, whoever it may be. So a combination of those three must-have important things and those three soft skills I love it. That's so helpful. So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit here, Catherine, and talk about something that we find really interesting at Superfine. Because at our fairs, over 60% of our artists are women. And we've actually started one of the first ever commercial all-female art fairs, which is Superfine Woman. It already launched digitally this spring. It'll launch next spring in New York in person. So what are some of the challenges that women face while making their way through the art world, like unique challenges? And what are some tips you have for overcoming them? Oh, wow. Such an interesting question and so pertinent to maybe some men will listen and will recognize themselves in these in these challenges. But I, I think traditionally what I've seen is talking about money, looking at your money, talking about money, talking about prices, selling. Women have a tendency to think that they're not good at it. And often it's because they feel like, you know, they don't talk very much and they need to talk a lot to be good salespeople. And I think they take their examples through bad salespeople (laughs) because I really don't believe that talking a lot and being an extrovert is necessary to be a good salesperson. And I think it often, if you see it more like, 
being authentic, being of service and seeing it more like building relationships, then all of a sudden it resonates much more with women because there's this old perception of what selling is. And I think once you shift gears and you look at it more like building relationships, yeah. women are really great at that. Absolutely. And, I would- and nurturing relationships too. Yeah, there's this like kind of used car salesman, yeah. type, right? And that's what we all think of when we think sales. Yes. But when you describe it that way, like being authentic, building relationships, it becomes something that a lot of women can then, yeah. Kind of, yeah, actually, I do fit this really well. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm going to use my nurturing side to get keep my people interested. Another thing that I see often with women, I see it also with men who are caretakers in the home is putting other people's needs before theirs. So often what happens is they're trying to build that career, but everything like life keeps getting in the way, either because they haven't made that commitment and set these boundaries. So creative time becomes something that takes a back seat. Investing in the business takes a back seat because everybody else's needs, whether it's in the family, in the couple, at their maybe part-time job, in their community. I mean, all the reasons, I've heard them all. Like the reasons why I don't have enough time in the studio. I don't have time to follow up with my leads. I don't have time to update my website. Because your needs are not put in priority. Everybody else's. So if it resonates with you that life gets in the way all the time and you're surprised and like, how come all my male colleagues seem to have it all together? It's because they're really good at setting boundaries. And although it can be hard at the beginning, especially when people around you are not used to it, but it has to um, be a priority for you if it's a, a commitment. And maybe I would add to that a third point, which kind of is a kind of linked to setting your boundaries is not worrying so much about whether what other people will think, because we're afraid of setting boundaries because we don't, we're nurturing. We want to be there for other people. We don't want to let other people down. What will other people think? I'm trying to be a professional artist. They'll laugh or they, they won't believe me or they don't support me. Who cares? Really? I mean, they're not going to buy from you. (laughs) They don't remember you when they get home and eat dinner. Everybody's got their own to figure out, okay? Once they're not in front of you, they're not thinking about you anymore. So we all need to kind of chill out about worrying about what other people think because it's really not that important. And at the end of the day, it's like feeling good with what you're doing. And I think we're women where we want so much, you know, everybody to be okay and fine that we're kind of willing to let our own personality dreams and projects take second stage uh, for others so we need to just yeah um and you know what people will respect you for that at the beginning it's going to be difficult it's going to be difficult more for you than for others and then people will just get used to uh, who you are and what you're you want to do and uh, they'll forget about the rest so Yeah, I think it's important for women to stand up and believe in themselves because like we were saying at the beginning, Alex, if you don't believe in yourself first, you could be doing a lot of other things. Like you could be like, I'm checking all the boxes that Alex and Catherine are saying. Why isn't it working? Well, because you don't believe in you. So you're asking other people to not only believe in you, but invest in you. Like with 
hard-earned money, right? But you're not even there yet with yourself. So it all starts with you so that you can project that confidence so that the buyers can be confident too. Because buyers are not confident people. And you've seen that, right? Oh, they don't know, is it okay? Should I be buying this? Is it a good purchase? Do I feel good about it? So they're already very self, you know, okay. they're worried. Yeah, self-aware. Exactly. That's the word I'm looking for. So if they, so if you're projecting that on them too, forget it. It's never going to happen. So it starts with you and then it helps build other people's confidence too. I love it. I feel like we got a motivational seminar here too. And it's great. And just believing in yourself. And I think something you said that I think really does apply to women in a lot of cases, women artists, put yourself first, put your career first. You're used to putting other people first. Maybe you have a family, maybe you have a significant other, but this is a time, you know, this is what you do. And if you want to make it into a, a business, which is what we're talking about, put it first, like really invest, you know, your time, your money, your energy and prioritize. I think that's incredible advice. And I think it's universal, but definitely especially applies to women artists, you know, getting through some of those challenges. So I want to move into social media. And that's something that is a big one for our artists. They ask about all the time. And Catherine, you've got an incredible Instagram presence. What are two or three recommendations that you have for an artist who's looking to maximize their Instagram and maybe use it to make more sales? Well, thank you about your comment about okay. my Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. There's a couple of things. I think uh, there's a lot of resistance around, I'll do it when it's perfect, right? If you scroll down my Instagram feed, it's way, way down. You'll see that when I started, it was horrible. Like most people, it was horrible. But if I had waited to have those perfect squares that fit with the color palette and the professional photography and all of that, I would have never started. We need to kind of ditch that it needs to be perfect and look like, you know, that artist that you think you know, we all have one that we think it needs to look like that so that it works. We need to ditch that frequency and engagement. is much more important than having that perfectly looking feed. Now, the only caveat I would say that when it comes to your artwork, don't cheap on good photos though. If it's a photo of you walking down the street with a story and it's not the perfect photo, I don't care. Like it's your life. It's great. Don't cheap on photos of your artwork because that's where you can lose a sale. If the artwork is not well represented, it's not a good photo, then not only might you miss a sale, but some people might just walk away because you're not taking your art really seriously. When people ask me, where should I invest first? Invest first in good photos of your artwork. It's going to pay off. Okay. The second thing I would say is know your end game. Like know what you want to do with your Instagram and make sure that you think in terms of calls to action, in terms of thinking, in terms of content. Like why am I posting this and what do I want my people to do? And is it clear? And the most powerful thing that you can do on Instagram is taking it to your DMs, getting the conversations happening in your DMs. Most of the buyers will not be the people who keep commenting on your stuff. Okay, it's surprising. The people who buy are people who observe, 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 and when they're ready, they reach out. So you need to invite them to reach out. Nobody's going to show up at your door without an invitation. 
And usually the people who slip in our DMs without an invitation, they're not really welcome. It's not the people that we would want, right? So we need to invite people to reach out to us. We need to be clear on the end game, the call to action, and make sure that we craft our messages that lead to that call to action. The last thing I would say is know when you've plateaued. Organic growth can lead you up to a certain point. At some point, you need to invest in PR and advertisement and other sources to grow. We're not in 2011 anymore. It's just the game has completely changed. And I see way too many artists waste so much time because they're trying to do everything organically. And investing in PR and ads can really help you grow your Instagram as long as you're keeping track of your metrics and your data so that you can really know what's working and you're not putting money like on things that aren't really serving you. At some point, you know, you plateau and you need to look at other ven- in other ways to, to grow it. Artists, there's so much value and advice in what Catherine just said. And really, you know, I'll go from the back to the front. Investing in advertising and PR, so, so important. And if you have an opportunity to take a quick class in learning Facebook and Instagram ads and understanding how to judge your metrics, meaning like what's working, what isn't working, moving people to the DMs and making sure your calls to action are getting them there. I'm an Instagram art collector. I've bought art through Instagram and you're right. I don't comment on it. I go straight to the DMs, but it, I'm much more likely to do that when there's a call to action like in the artist's bio or on the post itself, and maybe a little bit of urgency saying, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people interested, you know, slide into the DMs if you want this one. High quality photos, I mean, it's your product, it's what you make, it's what you love, do it justice. I'm already looking at it on an iPhone. It's already one and a half inches by one and a half inches. Don't make it harder. Make it a beautiful picture of the art and experiment in your stories. You can have your story be you goofing off or whatever you want, but that actual feed post, like make your art look really good. But I do agree with you, Catherine. It's momentum, right? Like getting that momentum instead of waiting for it to be 100% perfect. I'm sure if you buy on off Instagram, I'm sure it's happened to you and it sounds obvious, but look at your other folders. I do sometimes some art consulting for clients. Many times I've reached out to artists who are not following each other because you know I'm doing this for a client or a friend and they don't answer back. I have a client, she wants to buy this artwork, where can I reach you? And they don't reply back. Yeah, it, Are you investing so much time in building that perfect feed and doing your stories and doing this? And it sounds obvious, yet it's funny. It's happened to me multiple times. Yep. And that's where you just click message requests, right? And you see messages coming from people that may not be your followers. Because yeah. remember, artists, your clients might not be your followers. It might be a situation like Catherine is in where she's working for a client and you know needs a piece of work. So Every day, check your DMs and click that message requests and see if you have any. There might be one or two spam ones. Just delete those and move on. But every now and then, you might get someone in there who's really serious. So if you're going to put the effort into creating a great feed and story, check your DMs, check your other folders, make sure you're getting that information. So a lot of times, artists ask us, Catherine, how can they sell more work, be commercially successful, but also maintain their artistic integrity? And you've summed this up really nicely in a couple things I've read as selling your art without selling out. Mm -hmm. How can I, as an artist, go out and do just that? Sell my art without selling out. The the minute you start thinking about selling as a sellout, 
first you're in the wrong mindset. There's like something wrong with selling. I see that often with artists who've done their MFA, for instance, because they were in an environment where it was frowned upon to even talk about pricing and selling your work. It's better that you have, you know, a side gig at Dunkin' Donuts than actually selling your work. You're laughing, but I, I know like there's artists whose teachers have told them that. Okay. So of course there's this thing about artists and selling that is very negative perception. But then when you turn around and you say, well, I can do this in an authentic way. Like I can go out and have lovely conversations about my work. When I start talking about my work, people are actually interested and they listen and they have questions for me and I let them ask their questions and I'm excited to answer and I'm excited to invite them to my studio for a cup of tea or a glass of wine and look at the art. When it becomes authentic about serving and building relationship, it becomes so much more fun and Artists often underestimate because often people ask me if I'm an artist myself. I am not. And I think it gives me a really different point of view for us non-artists. Like there's something mythical about going into the artist studio. Like we don't really, like we would never ask. I would never ask an artist, can I go visit your studio? I always wait for the invitation and I'm always super excited when I get it. I feel it's like your unique space and if I can go in there it's just so special and if you treat it like that then it's not about selling right it's just bringing people into your own world getting them to discover things through your eyes and all of a sudden you're telling a story and people are captivated or you're talking about an experience and they, there's an emotional connection. Buying art is all about creating that emotional connection. So once you're able to do that, then it becomes so much more natural to lead to the sale. I mean, if you're authentic, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Again, if you don't want to see anyone, you just want to be in your studio and not be in contact with anybody else, maybe the artist entrepreneur thing is not for you. And then there's the second part, where is, you know, the more tactical, you know, keeping track of your leads and following up and making sure people are, are getting, you know, information when you have the first, when you have new artwork available and keeping track of that momentum that you're building with your audience and your leads. But that's something that you can do at your own rhythm slowly but surely, and build confidence. And the only way that you're going to build your confidence and your sales skills is by practicing. Like it's by, and then by having like these really awful experiences and saying, oh my God, what did I do? But you know what? You're just going to do that once. And then you're going to be done with it and you're going to move on and you're going to have great experiences. But it's, it's about connecting. It's about creating that emotional connection. And I've sold art in many different settings and you know what you can't make people do something they don't want to do instead of looking at sales from a negative point of view because what we focus on grows think about all the great selling experiences that you've had and you've had you know when you go to the restaurant and the waiter takes all this time to explain you the menu that's selling what do you think he's doing he's selling but you're having this wonderful conversation he clearly knows what he's talking about you want to take everything off the menu, order everything off the menu. That's a really great sales conversation, right? You can have all, you talk to someone at a you know, service, like, oh, wow, he was really great at offering me or she was really great at offering me these services that I didn't even know existed and that I need. 
wow, wonderful, right? And we joked and we had fun, great. So taking these examples and these experiences, the positive ones and seeing how you can make your customer's journey more fun and give them the confidence to buy from you, it's going to help, that's for sure. If you're always focusing on selling and salesy, pushy, then that's the kind of experience that you're always going to have and that you're going to reflect to others. I love what you said there, Catherine. And there's a couple of words that you use that I love, like connectivity, connecting, also authenticity. And I think that's a really nice metaphor or mirror of what creating art is, right? Because we create art to connect with people. So is sharing your art with people. It's also a way of connecting with them. And, and when you take away that negative stigma around sales, where we're like being sold to is bad or sales is bad and actually think of it as something where you're connecting with people who might actually own your art and keep it in their homes and connect with it on a daily basis. It actually becomes something that you enjoy doing, not something that you don't like doing. So I really love that. It's all about changing that connotation, removing that stigma and just making it an authentic thing that you do. And like you said, practice makes perfect. Having those embarrassing moments, that embarrassing studio business visit that fair booth that you're just like, oh my gosh, I didn't connect with anybody here, but learning from it and moving on. And that's something I've I've personally seen with our fair where we'll have an artist do the fair for the first time and they are not prepared. They watch the artists around them interact and the way that they connect with visitors and they come back a second time and they've figured it out. So really just understanding that that's part of the process and it's something that you have to push through, I think is so, so vital. Yeah. Um, People are not spending money on you. They're investing in you. More and more people are conscious about where the hard-earned money, where they want to place it, where they want to invest it. So if you have that connection and if they understand really what you're about and what you believe in and what your values are and what you're trying to convey with your work, it's going to create a much more flowing conversation and more chances of leading to a sale. Absolutely. So if I'm an emerging artist and I'm really looking to build a successful, maybe even a six-figure art career to actually replace my job income, what would be one tip you would give me, just one starting place to get there from where I am now? Create a plan with actual real numbers on them. I was very surprised when I started and people came to me with their, I want to quit my day job and do this full-time thing. And I asked them like, well, how much do you need to do? Not how much do you want to do? I want to make six figures. Yeah. Okay. Six figures. It's great. Wonderful. But what does that mean? Because there's a huge gap. <laughs> like, what does that mean? And how much do you need? And how much are you spending every month? And how much is it costing you to create a painting, a photography, a sculpture? How much is left? Because six-figure sales and six-figure profit is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when you know, and and a lot, of, and when it comes to pricing, a lot of artists struggle because they don't know how to price themselves. But the reason why they don't know how to price themselves is that they don't know how much running their business costs them. So then you get opportunities like your art fair, right? Super fine. Or any other opportunities where you need to invest time, energy, money. And the answer is, well, I can't afford it. The only reason you think you can't afford it is one, because you don't know your members and you don't know 
how much you would need to make to turn a profit. And the second reason is because you don't trust yourself that you can make it happen, right? So really taking the time to look at the numbers because although, and I say that even when there's a question of, I can't invest in ads, for instance, right? Or I can't invest in marketing. Well, you can't afford to not invest in marketing. You can't afford to not know your numbers because you need to start thinking like an entrepreneur and you need to have a growth-oriented mindset. And it's much easier to do that when you have a day job and you have revenue coming in and you can maybe start creating a cash reserve and you can start planning your move, right? Then quitting your job and then six months down the line, you're broke, you're heartbroken, you feel embarrassed. And now you think it's never going to happen because trust me, it's going to take more time than you think, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If you build a solid foundation, it's going to pay off for the rest of your life. So for it to take a little bit longer, but then to sustain you and your family for the rest of your life, it's totally worth it to create a really solid foundation. And for that, you need to stop hiding from money and your and your numbers, you just need to start just having that respect for it the same way that you have for your art. Artists, know your numbers and create a real plan with real numbers. It's so important. I can say that from being an entrepreneur. Don't be afraid and look at what you really spend and say, okay, this is what I really want to make in profit per year. And it may not be overnight. You may not quit your job and, oh my God, you've sold 12 paintings. It might take time, but knowing your numbers and creating that plan, like Catherine said, that's going to be the first step to get you there and be honest with yourself. That's something I've had to learn over time. And there's like, there's the monk who sold their Ferrari, but there's also another monk out there who may have bought a Ferrari. Just be honest with what you actually want and you're going to be one step closer. Put it down on paper and real numbers. I love it. And just to end on this, and there's a statistic that says that men have a tendency to set really high goals and not necessarily reach them. And we were talking about women. Women have a tendency to be so afraid to not reach their goals that they'll set really small goals. So that way it doesn't look too bad when they reach them. And on both ends, I think it's just you're putting way too much ego and emotions into this. And it's just numbers that you're putting on paper as an experiment. So as long as you're looking at your career as a scientist, I wonder what would happen if I invested X amount to go to Superfine or invested X amount to do this and I will measure it X, Y, Z way like a scientist will do, then you're guaranteed that you're always going to be growing. You can't base your decision out of fear of it might fail. You need to look at it like this is an experiment and it has nothing to do with me and my worth as a person. We'll just try it and we'll see where it takes us. I love that. Thank you so much, Catherine. To all you business artists out there, Catherine's been here with us today dropping absolute advice bombs. And you're definitely going to want to go back and take notes. The show notes will be online as well. If you do want to connect with Catherine for a consultation and learn more about what she can offer for driven entrepreneurial artists, you'll definitely want to give her a shout. You can follow her and shoot her a DM on Instagram at Catherine Orer. We're going to have that in the show notes as well. You can also visit www.theartistentrepreneur.com to listen to Catherine's podcast and also find more ways to connect with and work with Catherine. As always, remember, we're Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. 
And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for an exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the U.S., just drop us a line at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. As always, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick and relevant quote with you all. And today's quote is, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And that is Walt Disney. Catherine, it's been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for joining us on the Artist Business Plan. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.